have you ever had the feeling of the pressure of wanting to share what you've experienced with God? Some people call it sharing your faith. There's another word for it, the E word. Does anyone know that word? The evangelize, whatever that means. And uh, you ever feel this pressure? Like, I want to share what God's done in my life. And like, I'm not sure how to do it in a normal way. I don't know how to live live it out in a way, or maybe I know how to live it out, but I don't know how to say it. And it really got me thinking about product placement in soap operas. And I want to show you a clip, and I want you to pay very close attention to this clip, and I want to ask you, see if you can spot the product placement, okay? Can you spot the product placement while we watch this clip? So let's roll that clip. Okay, did anyone spot the product placement? <laughs> what was the product placement? It was, it was orange chicken by uh, whatever that company was. I mean, it was pretty blatantly obvious. And I, can't, and I think sometimes when we think about sharing our life with Jesus, sharing our faith, we think that's how it's going to go. We're like, you know, how was your day at work today? Oh, yeah, I've been doing all right. Have you discovered a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Like, it's impossible to, like, you're like, how is that going to actually work in? Well, it sometimes can feel clumsy, similar to the way, uh, I mean, I hope this illustration is working. I don't know. But, <laughs> but it can feel clumsy. Like, how do you talk about a risen Jesus from 2,000 years ago in a regular conversation? It doesn't always seem like it makes sense. Just like offering orange chicken in a very difficult situation in the middle of a very uh, thick plot. It doesn't make sense. Uh, and so what I want to talk about is, like, there is a different way. And there's a different way to share our life with Jesus. And it comes to the idea of story. It comes to the idea, it's around the idea of narrative and recognizing that we're not just a part of a set of beliefs, we're a part of an event and we live in light of that story. Recently on Amazon Prime, uh, they released this new TV show, it's called Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Has anyone wa been watching it? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Anyone? And uh, it's really good. My wife doesn't like it, but Marin and I, my daughter, really like it. And we think it's really funny. She likes to call it, instead of the Rings of Power, she calls it the Necklace of Weakness. Like, it's the opposite. Like, yeah, you want to watch Lord of the Rings, Necklace of Weakness? And so we've been watching it, and then all of a sudden we're like driving home from school uh, in a separate instance, and she's like... She's like, you know what, this Lord of the Rings, you know, it's a lot like Jesus in the Bible. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? She's like, well, it's a story about good and evil and justice and overcoming. And I'm like, you are my daughter. And, and like she saw the parallels between the story there and the story of Jesus. 
And Christianity has this in it. It's built into this. It's not just a set of beliefs. It's an event. It's a true story. And there's a power in that story. And when you think about it, why did all the people that Jesus ever touched or healed, why did they not have a problem sharing their story, sharing their testimony? Why is it that like whenever something happened to them, it was very easy for them to talk about what had happened, to share their faith, what they experienced? Another way to ask this, uh, to get at this is this man that was cured from his leprosy, why, why was it it's so easy for him to share what happened to him? He wasn't giving off a set of beliefs. He wasn't like rattling off theology. He was telling his story. He was sharing the good news that had happened to him. He wasn't concerned about saying it in just the right way so that people would be like, oh, wow, that's a really strong theological argument about you. No, he's just like, look, I had leprosy. Now the leprosy's gone. This guy healed me. And he told everybody that story. And in the story, it says that this, the word about him spread so much that Jesus couldn't even go out in public anymore. The pressure of celebrity was pushing in on him because of what? Some dude's articulation of theological positions? No, the word spread about him because they were sharing their testimony about him, what they had experienced from the person of Jesus. And this leads us to something I think we should all learn today. And it's the difference between what is the gospel and what is the good news about Jesus. Well, the gospel is this. Gospel literally means good news. What is the actual event that we as Christians follow? We as Christians believe. Well, we believe that God came to earth for our sins in the person of Jesus. We believe in the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus. We believe the story of Jesus and those stories. That, that this is the essence of the gospel. We believe that we can be saved and we can go to heaven or we can have eternal life. But that's different than the good news about Jesus. What's the good news about Jesus? He is wise. He cares for me. He comforts me when I'm hurting. He healed me. And so what we get here is this tension I'm talking about, and the tension is this. This gospel side, what is the gospel? That is the event. That's the big story. That's what Christians believe. And if you're new here, or you're new to faith, or you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, and you're here this morning, I just want to share with you that this is what Christians believe. They believe that Jesus died and rose again, and if a dead guy came back to life, that means something for us today. We live in light of that event. But the good news about Jesus is that we're taking whatever this event is here and we're saying, this is what it means for me now. Because there's power in the resurrected Jesus, it means something for the things I've experienced. I've been able to overcome certain sin in my life. I was healed of a sickness. I, would, I had depression and that depression was lifted and I've trusted in Jesus. and He brought me into a new place in my relationship with him and I relate to the world in a much healthier way. Do you understand the difference? One is the good news and the other is the good news according to what we've experienced in light of that news, okay? So why does this matter? Well, the point is this. What is most meaningful about the good news of Jesus for someone else might be different than what's most compelling about the good news for you and me. And the gospel according to me might be expressed differently than the gospel according to you. So my question is this. 
Rather than try to squeeze your faith into a conversation in a clumsy way, you should probably start by asking the question, what is your good news? What is the good news you've experienced from Jesus? What has Jesus done in your life? What is that news? Share that good news with someone in this room. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you just shout it out. What is the good news that you've experienced? Let's take a few. You're making great eye contact. So what's the, what's the good news that you've experienced? Anyone, shout it out. Unless we, we all don't follow Jesus, and then I'm going to change the direction of this message. <laughs> so, <laughs> He healed you. Amen. Yeah, what else? Shout it out. I'll take five. I won't continue until I hear five. That's right. That's number two. He comforted you. That's right. He provided for you when you didn't have what you needed or you thought you did it. He provided. He came through. Two more. You made good decisions. That's awesome. Direction. What's that mean? He gives you direction. He gave me direction in my life. Your good news. And what, what I'm getting at here is you don't have to always, it's good for you to understand the gospel, to understand what you believe. Like, what is it that, who is Jesus? And how is he connected to the Trinity? And, you know, what's the intelligibility and the credibility and the plausibility of the gospel? Yes, you should get that. But really, when you're talking to people about your life with Jesus, share your good news. Start with your good news. You begin with that good news. And that good news should be a motivator for how you live your life. So how should Christians live in light of this good news? You have your good news. You've experienced this good news. How do you live in light of that? Well, our big dream, our big vision is that people would look at your life and they would be surprised by what they see. They would be surprised. They go, you just look different. You act different. And again, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here for some reason at 10 a.m. on a cloudy Sunday morning, if you're just here, you, you're, you, sh you should be pressing these people who do follow Jesus and saying, like, yeah, your life should be different. Your life should look different. But how we express that is born out of that event-driven motivation. But we should be surprised by our lives. So our big dream is that, you know, People, they might not be surprised about how much money you make or how little money you make or what your career is or how good looking or not good looking you are, but they would be surprised by something qualitatively different in your life. They would be surprised how the event, how the story of Jesus has actually shaped your everyday life. There's a quote I want to read from Michael Frost, and the quote is this. It says, Christians opened their fellowship to anyone irrespective of ethnicity, and they promoted social relations between the sexes within families and within families. They were literally the most surprising alternative society, and their conduct raised an insatiable curiosity among the, Rome, the average Roman. If you combine that idea... Uh, along with this, which in uh, Colossians 4, it says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so when I think about what uh, Frost said, and I think about what Paul the Apostle is saying to the Colossian church, 
He's saying that we walk in wisdom, that we are different, that we live surprising alternative lives that isn't driven by theology and our ability to articulate it. It's driven by us living out the story that we know to be true because we know that true story to be true for us, what we've experienced with God himself. And you are free to live the hope-filled life. And you are free to live the brand. You're free to live the Jesus brand. You're free to live the story. You're free to live the event. And you don't need to launch with, hey, did you know? Here's 16 proofs that Jesus rose from the dead, you, which is good to know. Uh, you know. And as our pastoral resident, you should know this by now. And I'm just kidding. But like, it's good to know that, but it's also good to know, listen, this is what God has done in my life. And how do you live that brand? How do you live that story? How do you live that event in very normal, everyday ways? And this is something that uh, my family and I, we try to do, and some of the leaders here at this church, we've tried to do it over the last seven years. Uh, five great habits for Jesus followers. The, and so it's sh the shortest bells. Uh, some people do bless, depending on how they want to order it. Um, and so bless. Under bless, it's I will bless three people this week, at least one of whom is not a Christian. You eat with people, you listen to people, uh, you listen to uh, the Spirit's voice, you spend one period of time learning Christ, uh, and then you uh, journal about the ways you're alerted to others in the reign of God through Christ that you're on your scent. And we've tried to do this uh, over the last, we've lived in Los Angeles for, since 2015, and um, what does this lead to? Well, we're living in light of that event, like I already explained multiple times. I don't need to repeat it. We're living in light of that, but what, how's that make its way out? Well, when you first move to a city, you go, well, we're going to meet some people. So you hang out on your porch, and you make great margaritas, and you pour them for each other until people stop by and start drinking them. And you start hanging out, and you start hanging out with people. And then you go, hey, we should do a big book. We did book clubs together. And we've done events through parties with people in our building together. And they said, when you move to Los Angeles, nobody is friends with their neighbors. You build your own network. Well, that's true, but that's also untrue. What we found is we became friends with everyone in our building. And then the building turned over, and everyone moved out, and then new people moved in, and we did it again. And then everyone moved out, and then we did it again. And then this time, we just haven't done it yet. But, you know, but we will do it again. Why? Because they're wrong. People in this town town. The question is not, can you be close to your neighbors? How do you react and live in light of neighborly relations when you share walls with people? It's a different kind of issue. You know, so you can, but you can, the people say you couldn't be friends with your neighbors. We're like, that's wrong. You figure it out. Uh, so over the years we've run, we've, like I said, we throw parties, we run book clubs, we hang out with people, we do things together, we go to each other's parties, we go to each other's special days. You invest in people. And then beyond that, when, when you have, if you have children, you start getting involved in some of the things we've done is uh, getting to know parents at the soccer games. So our kid is in soccer, and uh, she is so good. And uh, all the other nine-year-old girls are so good, they kind of know where the ball is. And they kind of uh, don't all want to quit every single game, or do they? I don't know. But like... The point is, it's like you're on the sidelines and you're all like, yeah, and you're all talking and then you're sharing your life. And eventually they go, what do you do? And you go, I'm a pastor. And then they immediately launch into some spiritual conversation about their sister uh, and, you know, how their sister, you know, um, has, has married in with their Christianity with a certain political party. And now it's very difficult for them to talk. And you're like, I didn't ask for this. I just want to watch the kids get scored on. And, like, <laughs> and you're trying to figure out, you're trying to navigate all that. But 
it becomes important because they're looking at you and I'm like, hey, let me tell you about the meaning of the transfiguration um, when Peter asked to build a shelter for Jesus. I don't have to do that. I don't have to go into the theology. I can live out the event. I can live out the reality of that by just blessing them in that moment, listening to them, saying what Jesus has done for me, how I've experienced God in my life, and I, I just, you know, whatever. It can, you can work it in a very normal way. This also works with other parents at the school. Pick up, drop off, hang out. Um, and, you know, we recently uh, had a few people over at our pool. It was really hot. There's a lot of parents. And their meetings, there's some of the people here from the church there. They're interacting with them. And they're like, you know, the, the, I don't, and, and what it is, it's a very normal way of allowing the Jesus that lives inside of us to come out of us in a way that's relational where they go, I can actually see God working in your life. I can actually see that there's something different in you than there is in me, and I am surprised by that. And I gotta tell you, this is a lot easier for you just to search inside yourself and ask God and yourself and say, where has God touched me? Where has God healed me? Where, what has God done in my life that's meaningful? And start to live and make everyday decisions out of that truth. So like when... You're, when you're with people that you know in your neighborhood or you're throwing a barbecue or like you're inviting people over to watch a game or when you're doing any number of things that this wonderful town has to offer, you aren't intimidated and you haven't built an unnecessary wall between yourself and people in your life who are looking for God. They're looking for something. You've torn that wall down and you're living the authentic reality of Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. That you do not need to force God, like frozen Chinese food, <laughs> into a conversation. What you can do is allow that event and how it's shaped you just to leak out of your life in your everyday conversation. So, you know, as you go from here, what would be great is this. It would be wonderful if everyone could think of over the next month, you know what, I'm going to gather with people that may or may not have faith and I'm going to throw a really good party or I'm going to take people and go grab dinner with them. I would encourage you, do one event that mixes you up and just be normal. Don't force it. Don't try to trick them into coming into Pack City. Just be the light that you are and just do that. Just challenge yourself and be out there and see what happens. And I trust that as you position yourself, God will bless you. God will bless your conversations. And God just might touch someone who's looking to be touched, looking to be healed, looking to experience the same thing that you've experienced. Amen? Why don't we all stand?